Hey everyone, this is Tisa and Katie with Hearts and Hooves, Turquoise and Trauma. We have a really special guest, um, a local, but she's been rocking the NDRA rodeos this this summer in barrel racing. She is also the Director of Agriculture and the Land Grants Director at the Nuweta Hidatsa and Sanish College. Lori, do you wanna say hi? Hi everyone, nice to be here. Hi guys, it's Tisa and I am blessed with a couple ladies today that are going to talk about what they're doing through their um, college program and equine studies and diving into a little deeper. They were in Bismarck today actually at a conference with a bunch of fellow teachers. So we're just going to touch on that and inform the public on what's going on with horses and healing. So, Lori, I guess our first question would be, what is your definition of trauma? So, when I think about trauma, I think we think about um, arrhythmic um, sensory input. So, when we, when we, um, growing up, um, if we have a predictable home, there's a lot of rhythm, there's a lot of, you know, rocking with our mothers, just a very predictable home. We think about that as being um, kind of a normal way to grow up. But when things are unpredictable and arrhythmic, um, that's really the definition of trauma. So uh, a child that grows up maybe with um, abuse in the home, doors slamming, um, a parent that's you know yelling or just different things that are unpredictable, that's that's where we see trauma. And th that arrhythmic sensory input creates trauma and really affects brain development um, in those children. You're an engineer by trade. How did you get involved with horses and trauma? Well, I worked as an engineer in aerospace um, company for 14 years and um, learned a lot and um, but I got burned out, so I, my passion was teaching, and I ended up um, as the director of pre-engineering at Nuweza Hadatsa-Sanish College, a tribal college in Newtown, North Dakota, and I worked in that position for a few years um, while I was there. So part of uh, the mission of, of tribal colleges is to reinstate culture into the communities, and part of the culture of the Fort Berthold um, Reservation or the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara people is horse culture. So we were looking at ways that we could reintegrate horse culture um, and programming of horse culture into the community. Um, so one of my mentors that I worked with was Dr. Jessica Whiteplume, and we worked together to do family riding nights with the community. And that was really fun and um, kind of the start of, of what we were doing at the college to re, reinvigorate this horse culture. But we saw that growing and students became very interested. So we started offering a few classes um, in equine studies. So just like intro to horsemanship and uh, horses and holistic health class. And there was a lot of interest in it and it just continued to grow until it, um, it became a program. So we started a two-year program in equine studies. We're the only tribal college in the nation to have an equine studies program. That's incredible. So I have on that, 
um, two questions because you've already touched on a lot. This is for Laurie or Katie. As far as the arrhythmic sensory input and that unpredictable growing up atmosphere, trauma, can that be a collaboration of everything or could it be one instance that affects a child? <laughs> Either or both. So obviously when we think, I should step back a few. When we think about trauma, I think in the old way of thinking, we think it has to be something huge like a car accident or a divorce or, you know, something really big, but it could be um, little things. Like you said, um, you know, you're not sure when your mom's going to be home at night. You go to the fridge every night and it's empty. You don't have enough food. Um, you're getting bullied day after day. So trauma is anything arrhythmic. So it can be a series of things or it can be one big, large thing. That explains it in my head a lot better. Thank you. So Lori, when you and Dr. Jessica Whiteplume were working just those nights with those kids, what were some of the standout things you did immediately notice that horses were doing with their culture, you know, they were already culturally connected, but they were getting connected through a horse. Yeah, so a lot of things that we saw were kids that um, were maybe shy or maybe didn't feel like they belonged. And once they were on the horse, they, they're, they just, they're, they've changed. They felt powerful. They felt in control. There was a lot of joy and happiness um, that happened. And that's what we see in horses. They we know we ride horses how how they make us feel better and that's what we saw in the kids too but they also teach us to set boundaries so the horses or the the kids learned how to set boundaries with the horses um as well yeah that's great tisa um with jt equine your family business you've also been doing horse camps this summer can you attest to a few of those moments those aha moments of course. Um, so I was just going to actually mention, I've learned so much working with Katie with the therapeutic riding, and she kind of reminds me of the scientific feedback of this rhythm. And honestly, I never knew what was happening when I go ride, but now I make myself go trot in a rhythm if I'm feeling stressed. Or even if I'm anxious at the barrel race, I'll find a rhythm to calm myself. And it, it literally works. But through just the little bit of youth I've had at our camps, when they start riding, if they're not talkers, all of a sudden they're talking mm -hmm. up a storm. Or if they, I had one school from South Dakota and some of them just weren't comfortable smiling. And by the time they got on that horse, they were so embarrassed. They were smiling so much. They had to cover their faces. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're all on the same wavelength here. <laughs> So how did the, you had an equine studies degree, Lori, how did it become trauma-focused equine-assisted learning? So when we started teaching some of our horsemanship classes, what we would see in the classroom were different behaviors. So for example, um, maybe a student was just doing a simple horsemanship pattern. And if the horse suddenly started trotting and they weren't ready, there, you know, there would be meltdowns. There would be, um, if an in instructor was giving some instructions to the students, um, there would be meltdowns that would happen. And it would take a long time for some of those students 
to be able to even talk about what happened. They stayed in that trauma for a very, that trauma got re-triggered and they would stay in this kind of fight or flight um, place in their brain and not be able to come out of it. So we were seeing different behaviors like that and trying to figure out what was happening. Also, we would see things like there's a test on Thursday and students would forget to show up for the test or they would come and forget that there was a test. And so some of those types of behaviors, we couldn't quite figure out what, what, where was that coming from? So we started to, to look deeper into the research and kind of came upon trauma-informed care, Dr. Bruce Perry's work. And as we studied some of that, really light bulbs came off, um, came on for us. We're like, this is what we're dealing with. And, and working in a tribal community, that stems even back to historical trauma, as well as contemporary trauma that happened probably to those students as well. So you guys both probably already know the answer to this, but I would just want to inform, well, our viewers and myself. Is blanking out or forgetting a part of trauma? Because I'm guessing they didn't really want to miss that test. They were proud to be completing this class. Is what happens in the brain there? Yeah. So yes. So when when we grow up with trauma, that part of the brain, the lower regions of the brain, the fight or flight portion becomes overdeveloped. And so those students were that was the, the place in their brain that they stayed or in the emotional centers. So they weren't able to make those connections as easily um, to our, the neocortex, which is where like analytical thought and planning for the future happens. So when those brain connections aren't firing, um, what we would say like normal, um, it's difficult to plan for tomorrow because if I'm in my fight or flight part of the brain, I'm just worried about today. I'm just trying to survive the moment. I'm just trying to survive the day. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I'm not thinking about how do I do my algebra problem. I'm not thinking about studying for my test tomorrow. I'm stuck in those lower regions of the brain of survival. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's a place of survival because I think these students have learned, you know, their options are to dissociate because they're not safe being present in the moment. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, they've learned they couldn't leave the situation either. Maybe they couldn't leave the home environment because they had brothers or sisters, or they were worried about somebody else, or they physically couldn't leave. So dissociation is their coping mechanism. Okay, I don't want to open a whole new can of worms. But let's say you have adults that have had kind of a normal childhood go out in the world and they're either go to war and have a trauma, so we're dealing with that, or maybe they're in a relationship that something happens, and they're suffering this later in life. How do you see that connect with the children, or how are you helping that through the horses? Um, well, and I kind of think, or I've, I've noticed in the participants that we've worked through, you know, they're able to bury that trauma until they need to use that neural pathway again, until they need to find that road. So they're able to bury it for so long until there comes a time when they need to build a pathway to that part of their brain. And that's when they stumble across it. 
And you have to be able to function in each part of your brain to get to the highest level, which we call the neocortex. So if they're not dealing with that trauma, not healing with it, not learning healthy coping mechanisms, they're never going to be over it. Do you guys want to just go over a little bit of what you introduced today to the other teachers in Bismarck? I don't yeah, so what we talked about with some of the other teachers is how we integrated trauma-informed strategies to our equine studies program, so our two-year degree, um, and how we started offering a class in trauma-focused equine-assisted learning to our students. And then third, how we integrated those strategies into our entire agriculture department. Because in our agriculture department, we do education, research, we do extension to our community. So how can we, when we deal with the community, we, we take, we use these types of strategies. Um, so what we did is, um, again, we have a class in trauma-focused equine-assisted learning, which Katie teaches. Um, and then we all took training on trauma-informed strategies as well. So that when we're dealing with our students, we're implementing these strategies. And they include things like integrate or integration of rhythm. So how can we get rhythm back in, um, help them to, to regulate and to cope, um, the giving them a reason to be. So horses give us a purpose, right? They give us rhythm. Um, they also just help us deal with and learn the life skills that we, we need to we need to be successful. Yeah, I think you did a great job um, kind of hitting the high points without going into a six hour lecture. But in horses, I mean, there's more to regulation than just our brain. So horses are able to help us on a physical level. They're able to mirror, you know, what our pelvis is doing, our gait patterns. They have a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic nervous system like we do. So they mirror our nervous system as well. So they're really um, an organic holistic partner in the, in the learning process. And we wanted to show teachers um, in North Dakota teaching K-12 students how we can use these principles that we've learned from horses and integrate them into the classroom. So cowgirls, how was the reception of that? Actually, it was really, we kind of thought, like, is anybody even going to come? This We're talking about horses. And Lori? Yeah, we were surprised. The room was full, and the, we got a great um, reception. I mean, people yeah. were, yeah, lots of good feedback. People were very interested to contact information. So, yeah, it's interesting to see that people are very interested in how this works. And we also, within our presentation, like, Yes, we're using horses, but a good principle is a good principle. And we gave them ideas how they could integrate some of the same types of principles in their classroom, even if they don't have access to horses. Um, so they can use things like study music or spa music to help create rhythm. Um, they can use lava lamps or diffusers or spinners or rocking chairs. Like there's other ways um, to use rhythm and, and to, um, give students a purpose. They could do gardening instead of um, the horses. Also, uh, you always have to talk to the lower regions of the brain. That's why we say you start with rhythm and then that can 
they can start to do their analytical math or their reading. Um, so you, you put the two together. So Laurie, on top of keeping your own horses legged up, um, being the Department of Agriculture, um, filling the role as the land grants director, what is your why to do the extra push for trauma-focused work in the equine field? What is your why? I, it's about relationships. So if there's one thing to take away, it's, it's relationships. So horses give us um, powerful relationships. And when we see how horses really affect our students, so um, within our classrooms, when we teach students about trauma and they became, become self-aware, we set up the classroom so those students can have a powerful experience and create a relationship with the horse. It just organically um, creates a space for healing. And we see it over and over and over again, um, how it just seems to happen. We don't have to be counselors. We don't have to make it happen. It just happens on its own. And really creating relationships with students um, and showing them that you care is, is the most important thing. The other piece is, a perspective shift. And this is the other thing I always, when I'm talking with other teachers, is you need to change the question. So if you have a student um, that's maybe a troublemaker or has some behaviors that are issues, you need to change the question from what's wrong with that kid or what's wrong with your coworker, what's wrong with that person. And you need to change it to what happened to that person, what happened in that person's past that created those behaviors. And once you can switch the question, it really changes everything. And then you cultivate those relationships. So Lori, I kind of know Katie's story and we're, we've touched on that a few times in our podcast about horses. I mean, she's always loved them. They've helped her through stuff. Obviously you knew to go this direction with horses, but what in your life made that happen? I know they've probably always been a part of your life. And, and what are they doing now for you? Not just through this. You're, you're bail racing across the country, winning. Like, what's it doing for you? And how did it start? Yeah, I just grew up with horses. I grew up on a farm and a ranch in um, central North Dakota. And they've always been there. Like, any issue in life, I always ran to my horses. And they they were always that comfort place for me. And um, I just grew up loving them and that they were just, um, I just had a passion for them always. And I always wanted to have a, a career with them, but you know, it's funny how life takes you down certain paths and you don't know. And all of a sudden you end up exactly where you're supposed to be and everything that you've done in life kind of prepared you for this moment. And Katie and I always talk, we're so blessed to work where we do and to get to do what we do. And sometimes we feel like we're just riding a wave, like it's just carrying us through. We feel like we're fulfilling our purpose and our um, mission in life to help other people through horses. Couldn't have said that better. And coming into school, like even for the teachers listening to this, or even when us horsemen who are riding horses, we, we can't ask what's wrong. We have to ask maybe what's going on or what's happened to this horse prior. So they're, they're connected totally. Um, that was great. Good answer. Thanks, Lori. Well, 
probably have you back on soon and good luck at your next few rodeos and with this upcoming school year. Thanks to both of you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Lori. Bye.